0: I want to take a few minutes to unpack this third um, s- series in, in my heart, this, this third message about unity. It's such a manifold word. If you want to go to Colossians uh, chapter 3, if you would. Um, everywhere I'm turning right now, you know, Dick just prayed about it. John 17, John 17, John 17, John John 17. So many different places around the Wichita area. I know IHOP in Kansas City. So many other places in the earth really focusing in on what the Spirit is saying to the churches in season, which is an answer to Jesus' John 17 prayer. I just said this to the folks at home. Do you believe that Jesus is able to pull off unity in the church? If you do, say amen. amen. So that means it's not on us to do it. Ephesians 4.3 says, we maintain unity in the spirit through the bond of peace. We don't create it. We don't work it up. It's already there in the spirit. We simply maintain something we've already been given. And so if that's the case, then all we have to do is just do what the book says, and the Lord's going to get the victory through the church. A unified church in El Dorado changes the city of El Dorado. Amen? Because when you all are one, Jesus says in John 17, then the world will know what? That you have sent me. The greatest evangelism campaign that he's he's waging on the planet right now is bringing unity in the church. And people want to jump into something like that. There's a magnetic pull on unity. When people are like, I'll die for you, I'm not going to leave you, I'm with you in Christ until the end, there's an attraction to that type of atmosphere. And so that's all we're saying. We just want unity in the church, and especially here in our little flock, we have the, the rule about gossip. Anybody remember? Come on, say it with me. Do not, do not, do not. Come on, it's it's really good, it's really important. And so there's just a simple way for unity. Somebody starts talking bad about my brother behind his back, I'm like, hold on, hold on, have you said this to him? Let's go talk to him together. Let's get him in on the conversation, let's work this out together. And that 99% of the problems in the church go away gentleness, humility, I want to read about here in just a minute. The Lord is working something. Joanne said a couple of weeks ago, she said, this is not just a word for us, this is the church in El Dorado. No gossiping about our brothers and sisters in El Dorado. I don't care how tall Pastor Jordan is and how big his feet are, I won't make fun of him behind his back like I just did. I mean, he's got big feet. So what? I love him. I love Pastor David at First Southern and Jordan down at Park Avenue. I love these guys. We're serving the same boss. We got different flavors and different wrapping paper, but we're serving the same boss. Okay, so you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked. About, we kicked this off with Ephesians chapter, I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> And you remember the verse there was that Paul was saying he was contending. I'm sorry, we, we started in one, but then you go to Colossians chapter 2. My goal in prayer, verse 2, is that the saints be encouraged in heart, number one, because discouragement bottles us up. It keeps, them, keeps us from flowing in our giftings. And if we're encouraged in heart, then we'll be united in love. And if we're encouraged and if we're united, something really catalytic happens in the church. So that we would have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that to go one step deeper, we would know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Starts with encouragement, it steps next into unity, and then it goes into the glorious riches unlocked, and it goes even deeper to that into knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. And so unity is a big deal. If, they say, if Satan can keep us from this, he can keep us from the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Why is that, everybody? Why is it if, the Satan, if Satan stops unity, he stops revelation of the knowledge of Jesus? Woo! Woo! Tell me why. Any thoughts? We're the, body. we're the body. Yes, we're the body. Why would it be if you stop unity upstream, you stop the knowledge of Christ Jesus downstream? Making disciples, yes, love it. Iron can't sharpen iron. Iron iron. All All parts of the body getting hot, we're getting warm. I don't know Jesus in the same way Roger Beale knows Jesus. I got my own flavor, I got my own love of Jesus in my own way. Roger has a completely different sphere than I do, life experience. He knows Jesus in a unique way, like a piece of glass represents, it, it, it refracts that light in a different way. I need Roger because I want more of Jesus. I want to know him deeper. Drew Parrish is an outdoorsman guy. I'm not. He sees Jesus in woodworking in different ways. I don't see him. I need Drew to teach me how to be a man, and he shows me the rough and t- tumble Jesus out there, right? I got a lot of kids, and I know Jesus in a certain way, and that's big family guys, you see Jesus in your kids in different ways than small families do. And so sometimes we got a different piece of the pie. It's all the same pie, but we got to have each other. So if we stop unity, we stop the expression of Jesus and the knowledge of him, It actually takes more than us in this room. It takes the body of Christ to understand how wide, long, deep, and high is the love of Christ. You know it together because our brains are too small. We're too small in and of ourselves. We need each other for the big picture. This is why there's seven grace gifts in Romans chapter 12 because i get a picture of jesus with my prophetic gifting or my encouragement gifting but man when a servant comes along it's a bigger picture of jesus when the teacher comes along it's a bigger and pretty soon four or five of us have all seven giftings represented and it's like a full meal deal of jesus baby we got to have each other there's so much warfare against unity so we talked about that a couple of weeks ago what unity results in we talking we were talking about the next week after that about the, the unity being like the oil on Aaron's beard in Psalms 133 and how it smells a certain way and the fragrance of unity, you can't contain it, it just gets released in the community and it's, and it's impossible to mimic it and you can't pour it on anyone but a priest, we talked about. The rules of the sacred anointing oil, you can't put it on the flesh of a man, you cannot mimic it, you cannot manufacture it again, it's a special oil of unity and so we talked about, I, I, I went through the story of Remember the Titans, and it was made in 2000, I showed it to my kids, and the Lord was just speaking to me about how this racially segregated team came together in the 60s and 70s, and, and they won this national uh, championship, but they didn't just win, they blew all of the other teams out of the water. The championship game, they won 27 nothing. Hollywood portrayed it as close, like, neck-and-neck victories. They literally, they, like, zeroed out the other teams. They shut them out, like, nine of the 13 games. So powerful, but they had to work for unity. They had to to sharpen each other, right? They had to work it out. They had to have the hard conversations to say, I'm not leaving the team. I'm going to sit down with you and get through this hard thing, like in a marriage. And I talked about how similar marriages are. And C.S. Lewis talked about, we mentioned this last time, that when we lose ourselves is is when we actually find ourselves. And he said our real selves are all waiting for us in Christ Jesus. We don't know actually who we are until we give ourselves to something greater than who we are. And Christ Jesus reveals our, our real personalities. And we talked about not maintaining, or we talked about not earning something, but maintaining it. We gave a visual example with Sean and Becky up here. And now when they're, they're married and they're holding hands, but then when there's a fence that happens in the body of Christ, they take a step back away from each other. And they're not maintaining that unity. And then I had the little kids with the little, with the little Kleenexes. Remember that? It was kind of cute. And they were, they were talking about like the, 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 the opposite of 1 Corinthians 13. Love assumes the best. It hopes all things. It believes all things. And I said, these kids are like accusatory spirits or spirits of doubt that speak to you about your brother or sister in the Lord. And, and you can't see your brother and sister because the spirits waving their little flags between you are clouding your vision. And so how important it is that we don't let the sun go down on our anger, that we maintain unity. We hold hands and we say, I'm for you. I don't fully agree with you, but I'm for you. We're going to get through this to the other side. And the Lord says, this is like a fragrant anointing oil that goes out. He, he just can't help himself. So good. So. That was the second installment. This week, by the way, this is a a one-year mark for us. Super excited. One year of the Lord's Faithfulness, June 13th, 2020. We met right here. It was a Saturday night, so it's June 13th, twenty one. Here we are a year later. The Lord's been faithful to us. I was was meditating last night about what he did. We started meeting on Saturday nights. Ironically, and this is kind of personal for Lizzie and I, we we met for nine months on Saturday night. The day after we stopped meeting on Saturday was a Sunday, and that was Easter. We we met on Easter, and then we had the baby just right up like 12 hours after that. And so then we've been meeting on Sunday mornings. And so here we are a year in. We kind of got a foundation laid a little bit. I feel like the Lord's doing a work in all of our hearts. And we've talked about suffering along this last year and and how the Lord releases mercy in the midst of that suffering. Talk about Hearing the Lord, we've, we've exalted Christ in his word. We've gotten into corporate prayer and worship in an intentional way. And, our, and now here we are at the one-year mark preaching about unity. And we, Dick gave us a word uh, months ago that the dam breaks on Easter. And something is happening with the, with the buildup of the water in El Dorado. Something in the spirit is happening. Maybe we can't see, but there is a flow that's coming in the streets. We just had our citywide prayer at the Nazarene building, and Savannah sent me a word, had a vision of soldiers standing in the line. All the believers in El Dorado dressed in the same army uniforms, the fatigues. And Jesus sent his arms all the way down the line, his arms extended all the way down the line, and he took a step forward like this. Am I saying that right? And as Jesus took a step forward, his arms moved all the believers as one in lockstep. We took a step forward. Oh, for the day when the church has an offensive overcoming mindset. Oh, for the day when it's difficult to remain in darkness in El Dorado. Because you're like, what are all these crazy people doing? They're turning the city upside down with their teaching. People are getting set free from alcoholism and drugs. I'm telling you guys, this is not on our shoulders. It's on Jesus' shoulders. He said, you just focus on maintaining unity. You just do that. You encourage one another and something catalytic will happen. The dam will break. Water will run in the cities. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. So good. It's just going to be so good. Okay, so unity, part three. Go with me to Colossians chapter three. Since you then, verse one, have been raised with Christ. Is it like 150 degrees in here? Okay, all right. Since you then have been (laughs) raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Where your heart goes, your mind goes. So set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Why? For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So when Christ, who is your life, so good. Christ, who is your life, when he appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. He died, we died. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Here's five things we should put to death. Because of all that was just said, and because we no longer live, Christ lives in us, and because we're seated with him, put to death, therefore, these five things. The earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Those are five physical lusts that we should put to death. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But don't forget, you don't live anymore. Christ lives in you. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things. So we put to death five things, and now I need you to cast away five things. Throw them, rid yourselves of them. And these are are five psychological evils. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. We're going to put to death these these physical lusts. We're going to cast these other things away. I'm just going to get them as far away as I possibly can. Don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices, the cloak. You took it off. And you've put on the new man or the new self, which is being, sanctification, the process of being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, you put to death these five things, you cast away these five things, you're putting on the new man, therefore... As God's chosen people, you're holy and you're dearly loved, clothe yourselves with five virtues. Third set of five here. Virtues like compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I want you to put these things over yourselves. Bear with each other, y'all, the church in relationships, bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And this is how you do it. Forgive just like the Lord forgave you. And over all these five virtues that I just mentioned, there's a top cloak. And that top cloak is called love. Put it on. Because love binds all of these virtues together in perfect unity. Or love binds all of these things together in the uniting bond of perfectness. And here's the litmus test to know if we're doing this right. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Why? Because since as members of one body you were called to peace... And be thankful. So the end of the story can be where we start. What's happening with your language? Grumbling and complaining or thanksgiving? What's happening in your relationships in your home with people in the church? Is it peace? Is it marked by the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy? Or is there contention? And when I see them, my gut turns, and I've got aught with them. And it hacks me off every time they do that. And there's doubt, and there's animosity, and there's accusation of motives. And I haven't done it the biblical way where I go to that person. I love you enough to come to you and say, I want purity in my heart towards you. Help me work this out. I don't understand why you said this or did this. So what's the litmus test? Peace and thanksgiving. Peace in your heart, thanksgiving coming coming up out of the bucket, out of the well, out of your mouth. Where are you at with that? But look here, he says, love binds all these things together in perfect unity. And so the crux of what I want to say to you today is that this passage started with the fact that y'all no longer exist And I no longer exist, but we have actually been raised with Christ. We've been lifted up to a different plane, and we're seated with him in the heavenly realms. So because of that truth, we now, on the earth, have to set our hearts, aim our hearts, point our affections on things above, not on things below. And then where our heart is aimed at, our mind fires. We hit whatever we're aimed at. And so if our heart is aimed to heaven, my mind goes to heaven and my treasure's there and not on the things of the earth. If my heart and my affections and my love is here on the earth, even with noble things, if it's here on the earth, then my mind goes to the earth. And I make decisions based on what's best for me in this life instead of the reality of where I am currently in Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms. So... He says, because of this, I want you to think about this, church. You're dead, and your life as you know it is now hidden behind the veil. And it's hidden for security. And so if your life is hidden, then that means you are no longer seen. Christ is seen through you. And if you buy into that, and if you believe that you're giving yourself to something bigger than yourself then you can maintain perfect unity in the body of Christ with your brothers and sisters. What do I mean by that? I mean, if my theology is the first thing that people know about me, if my belief about the gifts of the Spirit is the first, that guy, he stands on that, he is not budging on that, then I'm no longer hidden in Christ. My theology is what's out front, not Christ, right? But if I'm like, man, if we're on square with Jesus and the gospel and the scriptures, let's let periphery issues be what they are. I love you in Christ Jesus, and I'm here to serve you. I'm going to prefer you as better than myself. And then all of a sudden, I'm behind the veil, and perfect unity can be maintained there. But whenever I get in front, and whenever I exalt my own wisdom, be not wise in your own eyes. Whenever I get wise in my own eyes, oh, man. Then we start to get some division happening. Um, my sweet brother-in-law, Brad, in Colorado, just got a 911 call uh, as a cop. He rushes to this house, knocks on the door, everything okay? Okay. The guy says, sorry, it was a butt dial. My bad. I shouldn't, shouldn't uh, it was my, my fault. Brad says, that's okay. Somehow he starts sharing with this guy about the Lord. This guy's a believer. It's a slow day. So Brad stands there for one hour talking to this guy about Jesus. He's like, Every sentence just kept getting better and deeper. His coworkers workers would call him, are you dead in this guy's house? What's going on over there? He's like, it's okay, it's okay. Call me if you need anything. He said every sentence just got deeper. He's like, I love this guy instantly. This guy loves Brad. It's like, oh, we smell the same. And we're like, isn't Jesus so good? Like, he drew me out of darkness. The guy's like, yeah, me too. And they're sharing their testimonies for one hour. Neighbor guy walks over. What's going on with this cop car here? Everything going okay? Neighbor's like, yeah, I'm just talking to Brad, my new friend, this cop. He's a believer. Neighbor's like, oh, I'm a believer too. Brad's like, isn't that so cool? Jesus is so good. Like, he drew me out of darkness, and and he taught me to listen to his voice. And so I stepped away from from this group I was in. I stepped out by faith, and he's just teaching me like a sheep to, to respond to his voice. And within five minutes, he said the guy got a sneer on his face, and he said, I disagree with everything you just said, but maybe we can discuss that at a later time. And Brad said it was just like, like all the life just got sucked out of that conversation. And he said, this guy, it was like a condescending, weird spirit, like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but all that you just said is so wrong, I don't even know where to start with you. And so Brad's like, I just spent this oily hour with this guy who they're going to they're gonna talk more and connect. And then here comes this neighbor who's like, "Rah, better than you. You don't know the Bible like you should and you're in error. And it's like, oh, the oil's all gone. Now we're just grinding gears in five minutes. I'm like, that's such a good picture of what the, there's, there's so much oil available, but we have to get ourselves behind the veil. Jesus is out front. I have got a drop worth of wisdom about the scriptures Jesus owns the oceans of wisdom I got a drop so everything I say better be from a place of humility like not I but the Lord this is the best I know here and whenever we start to get high and mighty man I tell you we lose unity and now I'm in this camp because I'm right and you're in this camp because you're wrong if you ever want to repent and get over here more power to you I'll pray for you that your mind changes right and the Lord's like, it's so much greater than that. There's so much more for us here, but what has to happen is we have to identify with our own death. Because I have been raised with Christ, then I can pray with authority onto the earth. We've talked about this before. I'm not praying underneath my circumstances like, oh God, if you could, please move because the pitchforks and the, and the knives are coming at me. We're actually in Christ Jesus and we're praying with authority Because he has all authority, we have authority to pray. Because I'm in Christ and I have complete authority in him, I can pray against the work of the enemy to bring division. And I can pray for wisdom and revelation. Jesus says, forgive them, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. It's a spiritual battle. So when we have disagreements, sometimes there is separation, as far as it depends on you. If if you're in, in any way possible, be at peace with all people. But some people don't want to be at peace. If there's a separation, then we're praying, we're interceding, we're we're getting discernment so that we can pray, we're not judging them. What is hidden in the book of Colossians? We'll finish up here shortly. What is hidden? Look at chapter 1, verse 26. Three things are hidden in the book of Colossians. The mystery... That has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. What is that mystery? To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's hidden. In each one of us, it's hidden. I need to know you, each one of you, at a deeper level, because in you is hidden the riches of the glory of Christ in you. I want to mine that out. I want to spend time with you one-on-one, face-to-face. I want to to know what Christ has done in you. I am richer because of that. And so are you. Second thing that's hidden. Chapter 2, verse 3. I just read it. In whom, namely, I want them to know Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the mystery of Christ in you is hidden. And then all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. And what's the third thing that's hidden? Verse 3 of chapter 3. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Think about it with me for a second. What do you put in a vault? Plastic cups? No, no, no. Treasure. That's what you put in there for safekeeping, for protection. What's in the vault? The mystery of Christ in you. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a precious thing. What else is hidden? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ Jesus. And what else is valuable? Your life. Your life in Christ is now hidden. It's not valuable because you did anything valuable. It's valuable because of Christ in you. Christ has made your life extremely valuable. One life that can change the course of human history. And so the weakest one among us might be like one of David's mighty men. And so we don't regard each other according to the flesh anymore, but according to the Spirit, saying, you've got something in you that I need. You've got something in you that the body needs. That's why it's so devastating when people divide and they go off on their own. We need every part of the body of Christ to walk in the fullness of their gifting. Finish with this. The litmus test. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Why? Because as members of one body, you were called to this. Did you know you have a calling? Your calling is peace. Christ himself is our peace. Peace in your home. Peace in your heart in workplace decisions. Peace as you face the difficult situation this week in front of you. Peace. It's your calling. It's your portion. The litmus test is thanksgiving and be thankful. The onus is on you to be thankful. He says, I want you to gauge where you're at in your faith, not because you're going to heaven or hell based on this, but to see how you're walking in the the fullness of Christ's life in you based on your level of peace and your level of thanksgiving. Don't forget, when he says gentleness and humility, And compassion, hopefully you didn't hear that is, there's another thing I've got on my list that I'm not doing very good at. Write it down. Work harder at this. Don't forget, gentleness and forgiveness of our brothers and sisters and compassion are automatic, spontaneous responses of the life of Christ in us. Jesus is bursting out of you to be forgiving. That's who he is. It's actually natural for you in the spirit to forgive. It's natural for you to be gentle. We say, well, that's just who I am. I'm just a a prideful, I'm just an impatient person. In Christ, we're different. There's a spontaneous push from the life of Christ if we identify with our death. That we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. This is not hard. The commands of the Lord are not burdensome. He'll actually do them through us and in us if we will allow him to. Peace is the umpire. It rules as a judge. It's like a, it, it's like a presiding magistrate making decisions in your life. Okay, I've got this court case versus this court case. I've got a difficulty in this relation, and we're facing it on Monday morning. And peace comes in as the umpire and says, Guilty, innocent, go this way, go that way, go the way of peace. Obey the scriptures, be forgiving. Uh, embrace the life of peace and be thankful. And the Lord's going to do a, a miracle. I believe it, guys. I believe it with all my heart. He's already doing it. It's a breakthrough season right now. I just want to say yes and amen to that. Amen? amen? Amen. All right, let's stand together. If we could. You guys probably heard this, but again, our, we got some baptisms coming up June 27th, Sunday. That's our potluck. Next deal coming up. Lord, we just thank you for unity that you've given us in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the firepower you've given us. Change our minds, Lord. Change our minds, Lord, that we would think from the place of victory. Oh, Lord, I pray for an identification, Lord, in a deeper way for all of us with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Help us to think accurately, about our position in Christ. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would do a work in the city of El Dorado that you get all the credit for, and that is actually so magnetic and so attracting that hundreds and even thousands of lost people jump on board. Then the world will know that you have sent me. And so I pray, Father, that our unity would smell good, I pray any offenses be laid down. I'm going to ask you guys just for a moment to to search your heart, just open your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, am I carrying, am I still carrying an offense against a brother or sister in this room or maybe not even in this room? And the Lord, now I'm asking that you would give everyone who thought of someone or something the boldness and the quick obedience just to take that step and write that letter or send that email or make that call or do that meeting. The Lord said, how can you say you love me who you can't see if you can't love your brother or sister who you can? Leave your gift at the altar. Leave it there. Go first be reconciled with your brother, then come offer your gift. People say, I'm bottlenecked. Can't seem to get anywhere with the Lord. The Lord says, clear up that bottleneck. Get rid of that offense. I'll flow through you. You just, you just get the, the clog out of the way. So, Lord, I pray whatever it is, I pray for healing in relationships for people. I pray for a dynamic response, Lord, as we say yes to unity. Bless these saints, Lord. Bless them this week. Fill them with the Holy Spirit and comfort. In the precious name of Jesus, amen, 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 amen. Bless you guys. Have a great, great week.